0: Hey, with Matthew Nicholson, Senior Ditch Day is the, the short screenplay, winner uh, best short script of the Environmental Film Festival. Uh, interesting film, I was reading your blog again, your blog interview again, so, this is kind of a basis story where, where a elderly woman kind of like leaves her, her uh, retirement home or her healthcare home, whatever. It's sort of like, she's getting out of Dodge. So that's the kind of the process of senior ditch day. So this is kind of like a tribute to your mom, right? Like your mom had Huntington's and she lived in a home kind of like, like in the script?
1: Uh, very much like in the script. Uh, We, you know, there were very bland walls and very colorful characters that have kind of been simmering in the back of my mind for quite some time. So I was originally wrote this during a 48 hour film competition when we were given the two prompts, sunglasses and a theme. Never have I ever. Unfortunately for that competition, we only had three pages. So as soon as I was done with that, the characters were really still percolating in my mind. And I felt like the story didn't end there. So I was really glad to, you know, give another rewrite and kind of expand it out to about, you know, 12, 13, 14 pages uh, and really kind of see what these characters still had in store for me.
0: Okay, so let's go back to the 48-hour film challenge. So it's a three-page
1: script that you have to get done in 48 hours? Yep. That's not too hard, You know, I I would have preferred a 10-page script. I think the three-page, you know, you just got to cram so much character and story into those three pages. It's hard. Or just
0: like kind of have like obviously a quick moment, I guess, right? So, okay, so sunglasses and then never have I never, but it's hard. The last thing you think about never have I never is in a senior home, I guess, right? Because they either have done everything or they don't think about doing
1: those things, I guess, right? Exactly. I think kind of the the kernel of an idea for this was really seeing people living in a nursing home rather than centering around dying Gotcha. Uh, and that there are still great adventures to be had. And that kind of all percolated into to Gwen Wiley, my main character.
0: So uh, so you used, to, you used to go visit your mom all the time in the, in the home?
1: Oh, all the time. I mean, I could write a whole series, I think, of shorts about all the different nurses that I encountered and the people that lived in the nursing facility. Uh, you know, these wonderful nurses that helped take care of everybody, uh, but also really trying to keep people in line. Uh, my mom was very rambunctious or precocious and constantly getting in trouble. Uh, And so kind of that's where this all came to me. I've, I've always wanted to kind of commit that to a script.
0: So how would she get, how does someone get in trouble? Like how would she in a senior home, how would she get in trouble? Well,
1: who's really telling you no? You know, it's kind of like being in camp, but being an adult where they don't have too much authority over you. So she would just kind of go off on her own, you know, possibly leave the nursing home or just leave whichever aide was supposed to be watching her uh, and just genuinely made things a little difficult, uh, kind of for her own enjoyment, you know, just to have something fun to do.
0: Interesting, yeah, because that's like, it's just, it's it's sort of like, it's almost like the circle of life in a sense because you kind of compared it
1: with like day camp, I guess, right? So it's sort of- Absolutely. These phases (laughs) of our lives that just kind of keep repeating in a different setting.
0: Yeah, different, the same kind of characters, I guess, right? Like repeat, kind of repeat in like in school, kind of repeat in uh, in like our jobs, like the bully character, the, the, the passive character, the, you know what I mean, the flirty character, you know what I mean, all these tropes, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, I guess in a way, if you were to kind of boil down all the characters, it's yeah. kind of like the Breakfast Club in a nursing home. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got some of those personalities, there's some flirtation, you know, there's still a love life in these nursing homes. Yeah. And just trying to cram as much of that into 13 pages as I could. Gotcha. Okay, so this, in
0: this in this case, this film, uh, this script, uh, there's a meteorological event, which has that kind of environmental theme to it. So mm-hmm. she wants to get, she wants to escape from the home kind of to a promise to her husband, right?
1: exactly you know a promise that a couple had uh was which was to always see the northern lights which is something that's always fascinated me and certainly something i've always wanted to include in a script i just think that's so evocative something you know a beautiful wonder that you know kind of on everybody's bucket list
0: have you seen northern lights
1: where i i haven't it's absolutely you know i would love to go somewhere and really get i think it is on my bucket list to do one day
0: well i was a teenager i was at some leadership camp in northern Ontario. I'm from Canada. So I'm from Northern yeah. Ontario, way up in northern Ontario, call a place called Tamogamy. And I saw the northern lights. It was pretty fantastic. We just sat we sat on the ground and just like looked up for a couple hours. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing.
1: That I mean, I, I really would love to see it one day, you know, whether it's an Iceland or Alaska or somewhere and i I love a colder climate so yeah, see Greenland <laughs> really I
0: talked way. to did a podcast with some people from Greenland and they say they, they it comes up now and then in Greenland too so
1: and that's you know I kind of wanted it to be somewhere you know I'm from Connecticut so I was thinking somewhere east Coast where this was a really rare phenomenon yeah. that the weather forecasters would obviously be excited about but also spark this one story and, and you know really have this woman have the proper goodbye for her husband that passed away, you know, about eight years before yeah. and holding on to that perfect final memory. No, it's
0: a great story. Cause it's like, it's like a, we've seen this before in like kind of films, right. Where like someone needs to get out of Dodge to like, go get the girl or go like, go have one last meal. So you know what I mean? There's always that kind of journey, but kind of yes. like, this is more of like a, almost like a spiritual element, right. Like kind of like a, a man-made kind of, kind of like, like we, we, I like it's like, it's like once in a lifetime, like I, you're probably too old, but uh, too young. The Haley's comment came during my oh, lifetime,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of all celestial events and whatnot and try, you know, unfortunately I'm in the city with light pollution, but I love to get out, you know, to the country when I can see those types of things.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, what a great, like, yeah. So does this kind of character, your mom in many ways then, or?
1: I I certainly think in some ways, uh, it's it's a lot of things. Even the name uh, actually comes from a woman that I knew called Gwen Wiley, uh, or sorry, Iris Wiley. And I split those names between the two main characters, who was this wonderful woman that lived across the street from my grandfather and was endlessly fascinating. And she had this kind of spirit. So I think in a way, it's also a testament to her uh, with some of my mom's experiences thrown in there.
0: So, what is your background as a screenwriter? Like, have you like written a feature? You written other shorts? Like, what's your kind of what's your progress so far?
1: Well, I came into all of this as an actor, uh, and I did improvisation. I ran a dramatic improvisation company, which I don't think is exactly what people expect when they show up at an improv show. Yeah,
0: um,
1: and I kind of forayed that into playwriting, and eventually, when I found screenwriting, that was the the medium I really, really enjoyed. And I've always been a TV head. You know, I I could watch, I could binge watch for days and days. Uh, and when I was like, you can do this. You can just world build on your own. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly haven't stopped. You know, I started taking UCLA classes, the extension classes uh, about five years ago, and have been pretty committed since then. So what's
0: your goal? Like, do you want to like work on a, on a TV uh, show or do you want to like, what's your- I would TV?
1: love that. And I'm happy to report, I actually just finished up my first television pilot that I've been working on for about a year and a half. I just finished it up this weekend. It's off to proofreaders and hopefully out to contest soon. And I'm really excited to share that work. As much as I love Senior Ditch Day, I kind of wrote it in about two weeks, Yeah. but I've been toiling away on this other project for so long. Yeah. And which is great about these shorts, it kind of invigorated me while I was working on this marathon of a project. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I really would love to end up in a, in a writer's room or running my own show one day. Um, I previously have worked as a researcher for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And one of the best days of my life was seeing my name show up in the credits and kind of pointing to my parents like, I told you this theater degree would be worth something one day. Like what would you Uh, do, like come up with a question or uh, 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 like? So we we would vet not only the correct answers, but you also had to prove why the negative answers are incorrect beyond just asking the person who wrote the question, you know, these ones aren't right. You would have to do an extensive Google search, turn in a research report, you know, hit the library. Uh, and we were also cold calling McDonald's or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson to ask about his the, the meaning behind his daughter's name. And it's amazing who will drop what they're doing to answer the phone for who wants to be a millionaire. They all thought we were live on air at that moment. But I think everyone really got a kick out of getting a call from who wants to be a millionaire and, and getting to, you know, help the answer.
0: Because it's still it's still on syndication now, right? like oh absolutely yeah yeah because you're th- this show that show was a phenomenon and really, oh was yeah like and i grew up watching that
1: with my family yeah you know that was a, a a cultural event i think all of us were you know kind of in front of our tv screens yeah. and i'm a big trivia guy so as soon as i saw that job i was like this has to be mine
0: they they would like like ham up the drama like like reaches Feldman, like would ham up the drama like We'll, we'll we'll come up with the answer after the break.
1: It's like they were just like kind of pushed. Oh yeah, they were great at those commercial breaks. Yeah. And it was really fun getting to be in that atmosphere with writers as researchers kind of collaborating on the questions. Yeah. we're like the wording isn't exactly right. Uh, plus we had a live feed going on in the room of people, you know, actually answering the questions and often getting them wrong. When we were like, oh, everybody knew the answer to that. We were sure they would get that question. You know, we yeah. were all rooting for them to, you know, get to the million dollars. But it was actually, you know, kind of devastating for us when they would get a question wrong, too. Because, of course, every question is supposed to get harder along the way, I guess, right? So You would think, but every once in a while, you know, something average will trip somebody up.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's all, it's all subjective, I guess. Right. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, we can't all have those slumdog millionaire moments where all of the questions have kind of appeared in your life. Yeah. Yeah. True that.
0: Right. So, yeah. So it's just, yeah. Cause I remember that like people probably don't remember like certain generation that, but they, they, that's, was it, that's like when network television was network television, they would like, you would have to watch it at 830 on Tuesday nights on ABC That time or else you couldn't watch the show at all right unless you taped it but yeah that
1: destination tv at
0: that time yeah and so you but you like i said you binge watch tv so it's like we were from a different now we're entering a different world so you want to be a tv writer the world does it. even the way you write a script is different now, right? There's not the, the commercial breaks and et
1: cetera, right? It really is. And I still find the commercial breaks helpful to write out in the script. Uh, New Olympus, which is the, the project that I was just talking about, which is uh, a modernization of the Pandora leg- the Pandora story from Greek mythology. So it's a modern day descendant of Pandora who vows to clean up her ancestors' mess once and for all. And you know, it, the world building on that was was really challenging. You know, what I when I thought I was kind of telling a very contained story when you start to add these more mythological elements and certainly playing into my research background, uh, it was surprising to build that world up brick by brick, but certainly enjoyable. So this is really a love story.
0: Like in the bottom line, your film, this is a, this is a love story. And basically, about, you know, like long-term love, right? Like, it's like, usually a love story is about like a couple meeting. This is the couple kind of ending, I guess, in a way,
1: right? Where like their, their finality of their,
0: of their lives is over, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's something very touching about when people spread someone's ashes, you know, whether that's right after someone's passed or if you wait for kind of this perfect moment. Uh, And that's kind of what I love is that, you know, most scripts start with why is today different than any other day? And for Gwen, that's the Aurora Borealis, this thing that she's always talked about with her husband. And I think a lot of couples have this dream vacation that they'd all like to take, but, you know, life kind of gets in the way. And eventually sometimes you lose the the chance to do those things. So for her to have that one final goodbye uh, was really touching to me. And in a way her daughter meets this meteorologist and we're kind of left to wonder, is there a spark there? So, while there's an ending, we're also seeing a new beginning for the new generation.
0: Well, congratulate. This is a great script. It seems like you're like, this is, this screenwriter has taken you by storm. And this is sort of like where you want your life and your career
1: to go, I guess, right? That's, that's absolutely it. And I won't show you, but it does, I have a board of all the projects that I'd love to work on and kind of all the steps that I'm doing looks a little bit like a serial killer board. So I'll save you that. But yeah, there's a lot of stories I'd like to tell. And you're based in New York City right now? Yeah, I'm based in New York City. Uh, I work for George Takei from Star Trek. I, want, I work as the managing editor for his website and work on some of the videos for him and for Uberfax, okay. uh, which is a fantastic day job. I love working for such a positive representative for the LGBT community. Uh, the, you know, I believe it's Taco Bell called him the king of the Internet. Uh, And we've certainly had some some great fun over the last eight years that I've been a member of Team Decay. Oh, so you've been
0: with them for a long time then?
1: Oh, yeah. I've also written two web series in that time there. I wrote a web series starring George and his husband, Brad, called It Decays 2, which I believe is about 12 episodes. And that was really my first foray into not only getting to write something and help produce it, help direct it, but having such an iconic voice read your lines. And we had some crazy cameos. We got Linda Carter to do an invisible jet joke for you know Wonder Woman. Um, we had we had some we had a lot of fun on that show.
0: Three point one 3.4 million followers as he has per as per this podcast on Twitter. That's that's a pretty gigantic following. Who writes his? Does he write his own tweets? I'm always curious about. Oh, them.
1: George! I mean, it, and George has such a a, a wonderful voice that I, I, you know, all of a lot of this is very much him. Uh, we certainly have a lot of helpful members of Team Takei, sp- spreading his message and getting things out there. It yeah. is all very much in the spirit of Uncle George. And he has a. And certain, I believe he's uh, got like 10 million on Facebook. So on especially Facebook. as an editor, I'm checking every period, every quote, just to make sure. You know, we have a lot of grammar, happy people that will let us know in the comments if we're wrong about something.
0: People are too much on they? Like I'm sure, hopefully you guys, because he gets very political, right? So there's like, I'm sure a lot of his followers are there to like shit on him, pardon my French, right? Because like, he's an easy target because he's kind of like show
1: showing his- Very outspoken. Yeah. Yeah, You know, when he, when he has something to say, people often respond Uh, and, you know, we're always ready for that as team members, but it, I'm very glad that I'm not living in a comment section every day Uh, Mm. because there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of nastiness on the internet, but that's why I love working for somebody that's so positive.
0: And he goes on. He's, is he still going stern uh, sometimes?
1: Yeah, he, I believe he does. Uh, and he's got a couple movies coming out. He was just in a graphic novel. I helped him work on his Broadway show. I don't think there's a medium that exists that George Takei would not be right for. And he's got his George's picks at the bottom,
0: like Bansi Pelosi book, uh, right? And uh, Star Trek uh, Paraphernalia. Hopefully, he gets some. He gets a percentage of these uh, these George's picks. I hopefully, right? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty cool site. Like it's like it's very like uh it's very him, I guess. Right?
1: Oh yeah, and that's that. Everything that we do, we make sure that it you know has the integrity of the George Takei brand.
0: That's. A, I thought it was Takai. I guess it's Takei. I guess it's, it's, it's it.
1: Takei. Yeah, it's it, the joke is it rhymes with gay Takei, or it's okay to say Takei. It was one of his slogans for a while. And you've been doing it for you working with them for eight years. Just about eight years. Yeah, I believe just about eight years, maybe in September. I've been watching. Uh, There's a a hilarious video of us when Pokemon Go came out. And this was one of those things that you can't believe happened. Uh, I pitched to my boss, wouldn't it be great if I showed George what Pokemon Go was? And we kind of went around Central Park, which was close to where he was living at the time. And I mean, millions of people watched it. You know, friends that I hadn't heard from since kindergarten were reaching out to me like, are you in this video with George Takei playing Pokemon Go? I think it was translated into like Japanese and German and Spanish. You know, my photo kind of splashed everywhere. It made you think, oh, maybe I should have put a little bit more thought into what I was wearing that day. I had no idea how viral it would go. So it was kind of my first foray into what, you know, virality could do.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it?
1: it? It really is
0: yeah it's in like just like the polarizing reactions it's like does he uh, like I said go back to the comment like does he, he hopefully he doesn't read any of his comments right like he just like
1: he's smart enough to let it go and just like do his tweet that's what he has a whole team for <laughs> I, I think he's far too busy for that
0: because he can get you kind of sad about life i guess right
1: Oh yeah. And that's, you know, that's why we try and focus on a lot of positive and heartwarming content, you know, to kind of combat some of the noise out in the internet. Yeah.
0: Well, small world as well. I've been watching like old uh, Twilight Zone episodes
1: and he I was on it. an
0: episode when he was like, yes. he was like a Japanese
1: uh, kamikaze soldier. That's I've seen that episode. That's a great episode.
0: Yeah. So it was like, Oh, that's, that's like, it's the, it's the context. Right. Because obviously it was before Star Trek before he was famous, and it was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's George uh, Takei. It's just like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, he, he comes out of nowhere, you're not expecting it, so then the episode has a different connotation to it now when you watch it, because he's in the episode, right, so. Absolutely. It's just funny how that I remember works.
1: the week that I got hired, I was watching a Canadian show called Lost Girl about a succubus, and it was a really good show, and all of a sudden, you know, I I had, I knew who I was working for. I was kind of studying George and just taking a little break, watch a little yeah. TV, and sure enough, he was the guest star of the episode, and he was kind of this crazy snake figure. But it's funny, you know. I'll even be doing the dishes, and he'll be on on the news or something. So it, it's it's a little insane to you know just hear his voice on any different device in the house.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on this script. We're honored to, to show it. It's it's a it's a really solid short script. I hope it served you well. And let's let's talk again about your pilots. And I'm sure it's destined to do well for yourself. And uh, I wish you the best of luck. It seems like you're really on your way.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Senior Ditch Day by Matthew Nicholson. Interior Meadowlark Nursing Home TV Room Day. Various elderly residents assemble around the TV in the warm yet sterile senior care facility. Ruth, 70s, and her two minions, 70s, play poker, but instead of offering chips, they use multicolored medications in tiny paper cups as their senior citizen currency. Ruth pushes a paper cup to the center of the table.
1: I raise you three greens.
2: The two minions throw their cards down and fold. Ruth pulls in her winnings and pops one of the meds in her mouth. Gwen Wiley, 70s, resident troublemaker, rolls her best friend Iris Fogg, 70s, demure, into the room in her wheelchair. Gwen snags the TV remote from the sleeping hands of Harvey, 60s, Silver Fox.
3: Hurry up, Gwen. It's almost 4 p.m.
2: Gwen hurriedly flips to the local news station as the handsome young weatherman Hudson Blake starts his segment. Harvey suddenly hacks a cough and jolts himself awake. Hey, lady, not this again. I was watching that. Get your rocks off somewhere else. Ruth and her minions shuffle their walkers over to the TV and take their usual seats.
1: You know the drill, Harvey. The bridge club gets the TV at four, and that's my seat. Kindly move before my greens kick in.
2: Harvey gets up for Ruth to sit down. He takes an empty seat next to her.
4: Talk to me like that again, Harv, and I'll tell your son that those credit card charges from a so-called Only Flans website weren't from your teenage grandson.
2: Iris sighs, turns off her hearing aids, and stares at the TV. Anyone tell you how beautiful you look today, Gwen?
4: Save it for Josephine.
2: Hudson stands in front of a seven-day forecast on the TV.
3: Why can't my granddaughter marry a
4: smart, handsome man like that? Instead, we got Steve. They'd make a handsome couple with my daughter.
1: My daughter could never land someone with a tuchus like that. My grandson could, maybe. He teaches yoga-lotties.
5: On the TV. So we're in for a rare treat tonight, stargazers. If you find the perfect spot, you may just catch the Aurora Borealis this far south. This is truly a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. The natural phenomenon will be taking place outside the city after sunset. See it here tonight, or you may never see it again.
2: Back to scene. It's finally happening. Gwen jumps for joy, but it looks very much like someone slowly standing up and raising their fist in the air
4: iris did you hear that or did you turn your hearing aids off again
2: iris notices gwen talking and turns her hearing aids all the way up at first it's all noise but then it stabilizes finally iris hears familiar footsteps incoming gwen quickly turns off the tv and sits back down next to iris nurse johnson 40s takes nobody's crap except her patients Clops into the room in her crocs, rolling a refreshment cart with the resident's nightly pill cups. Ruth leans over to Iris to fill her in.
1: Gwen's having a fit about some meteorological event, the Menorah Borealis, I think.
2: I know that look, Gwen.
3: Please don't give me that look. It never ends well for me.
2: Nurse Johnson comes by with plastic cups of water and their medication.
4: Operation Breakout is a go. I've got a plan, but I need your help. All of you, make sure not to swallow your sleeping pills, okay?
2: When Nurse Johnson isn't looking, Gwen spits the meds onto her hand. She holds her hand out to Iris's mouth. With a plop, Iris spits her own into Gwen's hand. And Gwen goes around the room collecting the moist pills. Harvey's dentures fall into her palm, too. She brushes them off, pops them back into his mouth, and pats his cheek. So... Here's the plan. Interior, Meadowlark Nursing Home. Gwen's room, night. The room is sparse, but punctuated with hallmarks from Gwen's life.
4: First, I'll call my daughter for our nightly check-in so she doesn't worry. Then I'll gather my things.
2: She takes her phone out of her purse and calls her daughter. It goes to voicemail.
4: Hi, Stacy. It's mom calling at our usual time. Sorry to miss you. I'm sure you're busy. I'm too tired for any hijinks tonight, so I'm heading to bed early. Talk to you tomorrow. Love you.
2: Gwen hangs up the phone with a grin. Across from her bed is a painting of the Northern Lights. Gwen takes it in. I finally get to see the real thing, Sydney, on my terms. Gwen excitedly and carefully packs up an old picnic basket with a blanket, a bottle of champagne, and an ornate urn from her dresser. She opens the top drawer and pulls out an old leather glasses case. She flips it open to reveal a pair of sunglasses and a worn photo of her husband, Sidney Wiley, in uniform, wearing the glasses in front of a World War II plane.
4: It's now or never, my
2: love. She snaps the case closed. Interior, Meadowlark Nursing Home, Iris' Room, night. Gwen sneaks into Iris' bedroom and shuts the door.
4: Next, I'll need to collect Iris.
2: She gets Iris dressed for their adventure, bundling her up in a coat and into her motorized wheelchair. Gwen places the basket safely in Iris' lap. The champagne bottle peeks out of the corner.
4: Be careful. Precious
3: cargo. The bubbly? You know I'm allergic. Oh, Sydney,
4: hi. What's he doing here? You already forgot the plan? Plan? What plan?
2: Gwen shakes her head and wheels Iris out of the room. Interior, Meadowlark Nursing Home, TV room, night. Harvey lounges at the poker table playing solitaire.
4: This is where you four come in. We need a distraction, a big one. I'll leave the creative details to Ruth.
2: Ruth and her minions circle Harvey with their walkers like hungry sharks. Ruth stops behind Harvey and starts massaging his shoulders. Back off, you can't have him, he's all mine. Ruth squares off with her minions, putting herself between them and Harvey. No,
1: No, please, please. you can't have him.
2: Nurse Johnson steps into the room, perplexed.
1: Keep
4: Nurse Johnson and security guard Jerry busy while Iris and I slip out.
3: Ladies, this is Harvey we're talking about. Come on now.
1: They just don't understand what we share. He doesn't even need his little blue pill when he's with me, do you, Herve?
2: The minions gasp. A slap fight breaks out between them. Nurse Johnson reaches for her shoulder ring.
3: Yeah, Jerry, I'm going to need security on the fourth floor. There's a cougar fight in progress. Repeat, a cougar fight is in progress.
2: Ruth tries to break up her minions, but they turn on her, letting out decades of pent-up anger. Girls, wait, there's a simple solution here. You think you can handle all three of us, Harv? The three of them pounce on Harvey. He grabs his chest. My ticker! Interior, Meadowlark Nursing Home, hallway, continuous. Gwen and Iris sneak past the TV room as Harvey clutches his heart. Harvey winks at them and waves them on. Nurse Johnson rushes to Harvey's side to take his pulse.
4: Then we're home free and free of the home.
2: Gwen takes a sharp turn, and Iris' wheelchair scrapes the wall.
4: Watch the paint job. It's going to be nothing but us and the Borealis.
2: Iris hits the brakes on the chair.
3: We're going to get in trouble for leaving.
2: Gwen bumps into Iris' chair.
4: What are they going to do? Call our kids and tell them we ditched?
2: Gwen tries to push the chair, but it won't budge.
3: I'm not going anywhere until you tell me what's so special about a few electrons smacking into the Earth's atmosphere. What? I know things. Fine, I looked it up on Ask Jeeves. I asked Jeeves.
4: Sidney said it was the only beautiful thing he saw in the war. On our honeymoon, he promised to show me one day. He died before he could make good on it.
2: Iris rolls her chair forward and clocks security guard Jerry, 40s tough guy, soft heart, watching a basketball game. She quickly backs her chair out of view. Nurse Johnson's voice barks over the radio and Jerry jumps up from his chair.
3: I've subdued the cougars. No need to assist on the fourth floor, Jerry.
2: You sure you're all good? I was just on the way up.
3: Depends on whether I need to change Harvey's depends.
2: Jerry sits back down and kicks his feet up. Gwen shoots Iris a worried look.
3: So much for your plan. We'll never make it past him.
2: We have to.
3: I have a promise to keep.
2: Iris nods knowingly.
3: Help me out of my chair so you can make a break with it. I'm sundowning
4: anyway, Gwenny. I won't remember it. I'll remember it for us. And I'll tell you about it every time you forget.
2: She helps Iris onto the ground with great care.
3: You're coming back, right? You can't leave me here alone and chairless. I lost Arthur and I I got through that, but I can't survive without you and I really love
2: that chair. The widow's pinky promise arthritically. Their wedding rings glint under the harsh fluorescent lighting.
4: I promise that I'll be back in time for breakfast to hear you complain about how you don't like your eggs, even though you order them runny side up every time.
3: Okay, hurry up, the fog's setting in.
2: Gwen jumps into the chair with the basket in her lap and nods at Iris.
3: Help! I've fallen and in- I know y'all don't have liability insurance in this place.
2: Jerry tears himself away from the game and bolts to Iris's aid. Gwen floors it past him in the motorized chair. Jerry manages a double take. Exterior parking lot night. Hudson Blake and his cameraman set up a shot of the foggy sky outside their news van. Gwen bursts through their shot in the chair, leaving a trail of sparks in her wake as she rolls down the hill. Gwen throws her hands up like she's on a roller coaster. The chair stops short and she grabs the basket so it doesn't tip over. Gwen cautiously presses the controls forward towards the grass. Hudson jogs after her. Exterior meadow, continuous. Gwen slowly wheels into a gorgeous meadow lit by the northern lights. The chair sputters to a stop. It looks as if it's seen some things along the way, especially better days. Gwen ditches the chair, spreads out a blanket on the damp grass, and opens the picnic basket. She lovingly places the urn down and pulls out the glasses case, tracing her husband's face in the photo. She looks up at the sky.
4: I just know you pulled some heavenly strings up there to put on this big show for me on our anniversary. A couple decades later than promised, but we're here, aren't we? So, that's what they mean by breathtaking.
2: She pops the bottle of champagne, spilling it all over herself in the blanket. She lifts the bottle to the sky. To us. She takes a sip. Gwen puts on the sunglasses, opens the urn, and pours out the ashes. They take to the wind, and Gwen smiles. The swirling colors of the aurora borealis dance on the sunglasses as she lays down to take in the sky with awe. Hudson Blake trudges through the windy meadow towards Gwen. He shakes his wet shoes and accidentally walks into the cloud of Sydney's ashes. Sorry to interrupt the show, but what did I just walk through? Gwen bolts upright and takes off the sunglasses. Hudson looks at the empty urn, horrified.
4: The Hudson Blake? I'd know your voice anywhere. My best friend Iris and I watch you religiously in the home.
5: That's awfully kind of you both.
4: I've been waiting years to spread my husband's ashes during the Aurora. Thanks for the
2: tip. Gwen hands him a handkerchief. He takes it.
4: You've got a little Sydney on your face, dear.
2: Thanks. He scrubs his face and tongue with the handkerchief. I'm ready to go home now.
4: Can I get a jump? The battery died on the chair. I just couldn't miss it, you know?
2: Hudson looks at the busted-up wheelchair.
5: How about I give you a ride?
4: And make the day of every lady in my nursing home? Absolutely. I'm going to hold this over them
2: forever. Hudson helps her up, and Gwen winks at the sky. Thanks, Sid. Exterior, Metal Art Nursing Home, Day. Police cars sit outside the building with their lights on as the sun comes up. Interior, Meadowlark Nursing Home, TV room, continuous. Hudson makes a show of carrying Gwen into the room. The bridge club and Harvey drop their jaws. My God, you're right, he is handsome. I get it now. Gwen's daughter Stacy, 40s, loves her mother, hates her mischief, leaps from her chair to Gwen's side, checking to make sure she's all right.
4: Too tired for any high drinks, huh? What were you thinking leaving in the middle of the night? You had me so worried. What would Dad say? I don't know what all the fuss is about. I told you I was going to spread your father's ashes one day. And he would have told me to pack a blanket, which I did, Stacy. I would have come with if you'd told me. Daddy loved you so much.
2: Hudson sets Gwen down next to Iris. Stacy swings her arms around him.
4: Thank you so much for bringing her back home. I don't know what's gone into her.
5: It's no problem. (laughs) Sorry, I pun when I'm uncomfortable. She got your
2: father all over me. Stacy retrieves a lint roller from her purse. She tries her best to brush Hudson off. It's hopeless.
4: I've got a great dry cleaner. Let me get your number.
2: Hudson plugs his number into Stacy's phone and smiles.
5: It's always a pleasure to meet a fellow stargazer, Gwen. I hope I meet a wife one day who'll give me such an incredible send-off. I plan on being stuffed into fireworks and shot off
2: on the 4th of July. I'm going to be part of a coral reef. Visit me anytime. Iris sulks in her chair.
3: You moved on from Sydney awful fast, Gwendolyn.
4: It's been eight years, and don't be like that. I'd like to introduce you to Hudson Blake. The weather bay, as the kids
2: say. Hudson blushes and takes Iris' hand to kiss it. Go on. Propose. Uh, I'm too old for you, but uh, I do have a younger brother. Ruth's minions line up with pens and paper for an autograph. Ruth pushes them out of the way with a sharpie. Could you? Hudson goes to sign the paper, but Ruth pulls down her blouse a bit. He laughs and signs her breast. He tries to hold back his laughter as Stacy mouths, Wow. You're kind
4: of a big deal on the fourth floor. I'm forbidden from calling even close to four o'clock. And if there's a major storm and you're on all day, forget it.
5: We'll have to get you down to the station, all three of you, when there isn't a blizzard, of course. (laughs) Let's give the other ladies something to talk about. Iris beams holding Gwen's hand.
3: Did you have a good senior skip day, Gwenny? The
5: best
4: but i've got some bad news about your chair faith
2: the black